Are you ready? Uh, uh, what are we doing? We're recording an intro for the first podcast, which I'm going to release tomorrow. Okay, so uh, what are we supposed to do? Uh, give me a second. I'll start it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so this is episode one of The Photo Show. And on the phone with me now is uh, my often co-host, uh, but also this time guest, Anibal Peyawu. Hello, Anibal. How you doing? <laughs> All right. <laughs> So yeah, this is exciting. We're about to release the first episode of the podcast. The first ever. Yes, yeah, so we recorded a, a little while ago. Um, so we were at your home. Yes, in Norwood, the beautiful Norwood, New Jersey. I was thinking about calling it Coyotes in New Jersey. That's right. That was the season. Of, this was the season of the coyotes, of the rabbit coyotes That's in right. uh, Norwood, New Jersey. It was just a very difficult summer. Yes, and and I just want to make a note. Well, the coyotes. We, when, when we when we mentioned uh, one of the coyotes being put down, we we laughed. It it might seem a little insensitive, but I think we were laughing at the whole situation of uh, coyotes and shutting down events and things like that. We were not laughing at the death of the poor coyote. No, not at all. I mean, we're actually quite sad about that. No, it's just the town went completely berserk, and streets were being closed. There were people with guns out there. It was a little frightening. Uh, so anyway, let's let's get the show going. Are there any uh, announcements you wanted to make? Are there things coming up? Books well, I, I strongly recommend to everyone, uh, if, if they get a chance, is to see the exhibition happening at the uh, uh, Morgan Library of Emmett Gowan's work in connection with the collection there. Uh, I think it's one of the really great shows of the summer of photography and other related uh, mediums, and I think everyone should check that out. That shows up right now. It's at the Morgan Library, yeah. Very nice. All right. Well, thank you. We'll be talking soon in future episodes. Absolutely. Where are we? We're in Norwood. We're in Norwood, New Jersey, home of the New Jersey coyote, uh, <laughs> coyote mongery. Yeah, I don't know what's going on out there, but there's a lot of coyotes apparently. Keep your cats close to home. Keep them close. They've canceled uh, T-ball events, any outdoor Did events. Did they really? They've canceled. Yeah, everything. All outdoor activities at the school has have been called off. Uh, it's outrageous. <laughs> there was one. I think they've seen one coyote. But the whole town is in fear. I thought there were two. No, no, I, they killed one. They did. They yeah, just killed yeah. one. That, think, you think um, that's the same one? I think it was the, on Earth Day. The, ra <laughs> the rabid coyote <laughs> killed on Earth Day. Yeah, yeah you know, <laughs> it's kind of sad. But yes. um, yeah, so so we're dealing with the coyote fear. Um, we have uh, the house soon to be sold across the way. Well, actually, that's not true. They're going to keep that house because it's a historical house that goes back to... I believe um, the 1800s, early 1800s, but they've sold the property across the way. They're gonna. They're, the The intent is they they attempted to sell the place. They couldn't, so now they're gonna convert it into four homes. And I found out that uh, at one point or another, the house was actually a uh, funeral parlor. So that's kind of interesting. But the pool will go. The uh, the lovely cottage, uh, which I want to photograph because it's really just a beautiful little building, that's gonna be torn down. And I'm sure they're going to take down the old trees so they can put the new suburban homes. They're going to jam four of them in there, which is, I still can't, I don't know how to go and do so it. So you mentioned you were going to photograph across the street. Yeah. And of course, that's what try. we do. Yeah. Right. 
Uh, we live this uh, very kind of strange life of uh, <laughs> photographers. I would say, you know, the two of us have probably had mild successes as photographers in terms sure. of showing work and, and being part of shows and things like that. But I think the, the greater success um, is the longevity that we've had in photography. It's the longevity and also the fact that we're both educators. Right. I think that the educating part is, is I find, a, a more of a, uh, for me, it's more of a success than the, um, the gallery exhibition sort of track, which is a full-time job for anyone who's tried to do it. I, I did try to do it, and I ended up in an exhibition at, at the Bronx Museum, which mm -hmm. I thought was kind of a nice thing. Um, but it, took, it just takes an endless amount of energy, and you have to just devote yourself completely to it. And teaching was a much more attractive um, outlet for me in terms of uh, my love for photography. Absolutely. It was, uh, it was a way of having some consistency, some income, mm -hmm. keeping yourself in the, in the field, so to speak, uh, keeping yourself, your mind active about photography, um, and then also having the time to actually photograph. Ideally. Yes. Ideally. Ideally. And this was something that, you know, again, we've, we've spoken about uh, quite a few times, which is that at a certain point, uh, you, went to, uh, you went to graduate school, you got an MFA degree, and you could start teaching right away. That, and usually in a full-time position, um, that has, you know, has kind of ended, really, uh, uh, from, because there's just too many people out there uh, with MFAs and too few programs. But you can still teach as an adjunct, which is what I do. I teach two classes as an adjunct, and I, and I work full-time at the same university I teach, but in another capacity. You know, I run technology for the visual arts department at Fordham University. At Fordham, right. Yeah. Um, so that's my full-time gig. Right. And I have a part-time gig as a, as a photography uh, teacher, instructor. Um, and that's where it's really exciting for me. And I think that's the level of... And I've been doing this for over 10 years at this point. Yeah. Consistently. I, uh, every year. We both got our jobs pretty close in time. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, got, I got lucky landing a full-time faculty photography position at a community college down um, near Trenton. Uh, and I've been doing that for over 10 years now. Mm -hmm. no, one of, the, one of the, the, the great things you talked about... The idea of keeping your mind active. Uh, there's nothing like uh, to keep your mind active than a number of students coming to you and asking you questions not only about the technology but also about the history of photography and the tradition of photography. And quite often you find that there is a big um, uh, sort of space in there because they don't know much about uh, our own tradition of photography, which, uh, you know, I guess would begin with Ajay maybe? You know, maybe right. before that, but in, certainly in that tradition. Uh, Ajay is a good beginning, I think, yeah. to, to, to when I think of influences. Right. It's like yeah. documentary style, but in that form of, uh, of photography. And, and it's a pleasure to, you know, to, uh, to be able to talk to students who, who are interested and want to know about it. And, and you can, you know, fill, fill in the gaps for them. And there's also always talking about gear and, and thinking about how to, how, which new way to make a picture, you know, which always keeps you thinking, well, is this really a... Is this just a gadget, or is it something that's really going to help you make a better photograph? You know, what are we talking about? So the, both of those aspects are very much prevalent in, when you're teaching at the college level, which makes it very exciting. And that was, I, I think, the technology is the biggest change mm. to the way we teach. Sure. Um, there's a constant battle between remembering that you're teaching photography and teaching software mm. and, and teaching new cameras and new features on cameras uh, and, and trying to keep up with all of it. 
Um, and I think I think finding that balance uh, is is getting more difficult in some ways because uh, I think uh, the, as students uh, come into my program now, I feel like they're very very much more hungry for the technology part of it, for the software part of it. They they want to come into my program because they want to be uh, um, technologically you know perfect. They want to they want to be able to make these what they think are these beautiful photos they see on Tumblr and 500 pics and, and all of the uh, other sites um, that are there. These are, you know, the photos that are very easy to digest, very easy to, um, uh, to imagine hanging on your wall. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, over the years I've, I've learned something and that's that I trust my students to be open enough um, to be open to influence, to be open to new ideas. And yes, technology is a big part of it. Um, but I tell them if that's all you want out of a, out of a, of a program in a, in a college or in a, in a university, I think you're shortchanging yourself. Most of this stuff, um, technologically, what you can, you know, you can just read a book. Exactly. It's there. You, you could watch videos. You at can this watch point. videos, almost anything that they need. I mean, I don't, at some point, I was terrified going into the classroom every time there was a new upgrade to the software because I was like, I haven't learned enough. I haven't learned enough. Yes. And then I realized that any time a student came to me and said, uh, how do you do this? I Googled it, and there it was. Exactly. Video. Somebody else had done it already. I've begun to do some of those things during class. I do it during class. I, yeah. I have no shame anymore. The, <laughs> right. At first, I was like, then I realized that I'm there not to be a software consultant. I'm no. there to be a photographer. And that, whether you're doing it with the latest digital camera or you're doing it with a, a, you know, a point and shoot 35 millimeter camera. Um, that's a different experience than that of, of learning software or learning technology. It's about, it's about a, an engagement with the world and, that, and that's what's interesting to me and that's what I can provide my students more than I can in terms of you know, what does this gadget do, mm -hmm. you know, because gadgets are just what they are. They're gadgets. They're and like tools. I said, they're tools. Yeah. Yeah. But if you don't know the kind of photograph that you're interested in making, um, the tools can sometimes get in the way because they can block you from seeing your image or seeing what it is that you are actually interested in in photography. And talking, it's, it's not like photographers haven't always talked about gear um, and kind of gotten excited Absolutely. about gear and yeah. things like that. Um, but you, you do reach a point where it becomes an easy way to avoid the harder conversations about what you're interested in, what you're photographing, how you're photographing it, and, and what, you know, is there any meaning to what you're photographing? And, and I think that's where an MFA degree really separates um, teachers. Because in most MFA programs, uh, you know, as critical as you want to be of the MFA programs, there is still a need for a critical discussion of what pictures mean in some form or another. There are many streams of that, uh, whether it's, you know, John Sharkovsky or Terry Barrett or some more theory-based uh, program. There's still a need to look at the picture and think about them in terms of subject matter. And I think that the teachers who have gone through or the who have gone through an MFA program will provide that in the classroom along with this other technological stuff, uh, which I think is also important. I, mean, I think we agree on that. But it can't be the primary thing. I think you really are shortchanging yourself if, you, if, you, if that's all you want. I mean, you know, you, you got to afford them. You're paying $47,000 and, you know, you want to learn software is, right. wow, you know, <laughs> you know, demand a refund or something because, <laughs> you know, that's just crazy if that's all you're getting is because, you know, it'll change. 
You know, right. Lightroom, it's like I, I worked so hard to learn Lightroom 5. Now Lightroom 6 just came out. Uh, no, Lightroom, well, Lightroom Cloud. Uh, right? Lightroom Cloud, that's right. <laughs> you know. It's like, you know, okay, now what do we do? Um, right. Am I going to worry about it? No, because the photographer's job is still the same, which is, you know, to engage with the world using this medium. That's what we're interested in. Um, more than whether, you know, I'll learn, I'll, you know, I'll come up to speed. It'll be fine. And yeah. my, you know. I've actually gotten very good at uh, kind of learning it on the fly mm -hmm. as I need it, as things come up. As things come up. I openly let students show me things in class because they're, they might be ahead oh, of yeah. me on a certain oh, sure. piece of software. And, and sure, sure. I think that's great too. Um, letting students, you know, uh, be part of the class in that way where they actually feel like they're teaching. I think they enjoy that. I think an interesting turn of events recently that I've noticed too in, in terms of uh, you know my own teaching practice is that um, I teach both analog uh, darkroom photography and I teach a class in digital photography and both at a, at a beginner level, which I like. I enjoy that because uh, it's very exciting to see yeah, the changes. Yeah. But um, I, I, it's become a, a tradition now that um, my students will call um, uh, you know black and white photography in the darkroom real photography. <laughs> And then the other thing is digital photography. And I, I think that's a very interesting um, uh, uh, separation that they're making. But they also seem to love the old technology. It's it's they hip. Do. The old technology is hip. So they want to get the old DS, you know, S, I'm sorry, not DSL, but SLR <laughs> or the, they're really curious about Leica and they're really curious about these smaller, beautifully made cameras and what they can do. And can I buy this? Can I do that? You know, is what, you know, because, you know, they're interested in, it seems like there's a need, there's, a, there's a, a thirst for a different form of engagement with photography that they feel they're not getting through Instagram or their phones or, you know, the easy to use DSLR cameras. Um, they like the quirkiness of the other thing, you know, and I think, I don't know what exactly is fueling that, but, yeah, you know. I, I, it could, you know, it could be a number of things. I, I don't even, I don't really know, but. I know there are times my students like to get away from the computer lab. They oh, like God, to yeah. be in the dark room. Yeah. I've, I've, I have students who, who didn't believe me when I said it at the beginning who like the smell of fixer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think um, I, I ch this is not a rant against uh, digital not at photography. All. No, no, we I, both use it. We both use it, exactly. <laughs> we both use it. We both teach it. Yeah. Right? Um, sure. And, and, there are, and, and for me in particular, I found... Um, Switching from uh, uh, color negative to digital at this stage with the quality of the digital cameras uh, was perfectly acceptable. I was getting pretty much the same quality of image mm. uh, switching to digital. Mm. Uh, but but yes, there's it seems especially in the last two or three years um, a real kind of pride in shooting film yeah. that students have. Yeah, uh, they feel like they're they're holding on to something more significant in a way, or coming coming to something more significant in a way. Uh, I have uh, I've I've been teaching long enough now where I've had students go on to four year and, and grad school, and they um, you know they they they've started uh, their own enterprises in film mm -hmm. right uh, tin type portrait photography yeah. um, and, and and it's really they really they really take pride in that idea that um, they're sticking to the more traditional methods. You know, uh, part of it I think it's it's I mean I look at you know here we are we're we're able to do this podcast you know because of digital technology it allows us the freedom to do these kinds of things, and. Um, but part of it is in terms of photography is that, it, you know, the, the computer is a very ubiquitous tool right now. 
you listen to music on the computer. You you do your shopping on the computer. You um, uh, you do your reading on the computer. Uh, when it comes time, you know, some, almost everything research is done on the computer. So I think that what the watching dark television room, watching television right. now all of a sudden I know this this whole thing about you know cable going on right now. Um, what what I think that this experience and I think. You know, in terms of teaching again, I think it's a great beginning experience uh, to start with film instead of digital, in, as long as we can do it, in part because the experience is very, very different than anything else that people are having right now. It is really a kind of a unique experience. At the time when I, I think the, the Levitt houses were being built and they all came with a darkroom, you know, because that was the experience. Everybody was doing it that way. We've moved away now enough time has passed that it's digital you know the digital image capturing methods are, are much more uh, apparent than everything that we do so then all of a sudden you turn into this dark room and it's like it's a magical world mm -hmm. and it's a different experience and makes people slow down i think they form stronger bonds with each other in terms of uh, working together uh, it's a really shared experience that they know once they step out of there it's kind of going to be gone because how many of them are really going to you know build a dark room so over time, what's happened is that the darkroom has become a real um, a great tool for pedagogy in terms of my own practice because it allows me to say, see, this is different. This is not like everything else you're doing. Um, yes, the other thing is there too, but try this and see, see that, if you can commit to it. And that, I think that's really different from when uh, digital photography started becoming popular. It wasn't that black and white uh, or film-based photography was different. It was, it was somehow antiquated. Um, old-fashioned or, or too slow yeah um, and and it at that moment where it switched it was still more popular right I mean there's still more people still shooting film mm -hmm. uh, and then as students started getting turned on to digital they thought oh but this is the newest greatest thing this right. is the thing we we are supposed to be doing uh, but now that digital is is more ubiquitous and digital is is uh, you know way more popular than film-based photography sure. yeah now now film-based photography is the um, it's the special thing. Yeah, it's a special thing. So the right. tables have turned in a way. Right. You know, it's like it's like when my I remember when my dad came home. Uh, my father was an engineer for CBS, and uh, he came home with like his first CD. It was Box, um, uh, you know, Organ Works. So it was like it had all the fireworks you needed, you know, like loud and. Um, and what and, did you play that on? It, well, he had bought a CD player. You know, that was the thing. First, we had the CD, and then it was like, okay, now what do we do with this thing? And it was that that sort of you know, it's new it's exciting it's different and now here we are and LPs are being pressed again right so it's like again is this it's certainly at a smaller level um, but there's a kind of wonderfulness to the maintenance it's like there's room for all of it you know let's that's you know that's is. the right. thing it's like you can have all of it and it can still work but I, you know in terms of, of pedagogy in terms of teaching I, I see a difference in the way that students who come from first taking a film-based class and then go into digital, how different they are than students who take a digital class and then want to go into film. Quite often, they do that, which is kind of interesting, too. They've taken the digital class, and then they want to try film because maybe it's just me. But, um, you know, because I encourage it. But um, th yeah, there's I a think, curiosity. I think, a, I think there is a big part of that. I, yeah, I, you know, I can yeah, tell yeah. them that if they don't, they're missing out <laughs> on a big part of their lives. Right. But, uh, but um, again, it's, it's just there's, there's enough room, and it's a different experience. It's something that they're very likely not to have again. And I think they're, they're interested in that. They're interested in that experience. You know? Right. Right. You actually um, mentioned something I wanted to bring up. Uh, your father mm -hmm. was an engineer for mm -hmm. CBS. Uh, but um, before that, 
right? Your yep. father, you, your whole family had come over from Spain, right? Because you, when you were in Spain, because you had been, you had, uh, I don't know how you decided to leave Cuba. You wanted to leave Cuba. Well, yeah. we wanted to leave Cuba. It was uh, after. Um, I mean, my parents were there. They got married on in 1959, which was the year. Um, the rear of the revolution when Castro came into power, and at first uh, they were supporters of the revolution, but little by little they, you know, they they parted ways, let's say, <laughs> and they decided that they were going to uh, to emigrate. They wanted to leave. Oops! Hold on, the cat has we jumped ha- on the table. We have a cat. We have a cat on the table, Mr. Mr. Jingles. Jingles. Mr. Jingles, you have you have got to go. Come here. Hold on. Excuse me for a yeah, moment. Yeah. So, so I should say at this point, every once in a while you hear a little thump. <laughs> And that little thump is a cat. Is a cat uh, who's who's <laughs> running around, uh, and you might hear his bell too. That's Mr. Jingles, who's a number one uh, mouse killer. Um, so anyway, but you know, it's a long story. But yes, yeah, so they decided to leave. They applied uh, because they applied. They were punished uh, to you know to get a visa. They were punished for that and took us six years, and then we emigrated to the United States. I mean, first Spain and then to the United States. Right. Yeah. All right. But. Uh, was your father an engineer in Cuba? Yeah, yeah, he, he was. Right. My dad started working as a, he was a cameraman. Your father's name? Uh, um, Francisco Aníbal. Frank, for those of you who knew him in yes. the United States. Um, <laughs> but um, he uh, started by being a cameraman at the baseball games hmm. with black and white television. Um, and he was very interested in television. That was his big love. And um, so he was an engineer there, and he became an engineer there. And then when we were in Spain, he couldn't practice uh, his um, his trade because um, we were there as refugees and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then when he got, oh, he's back. Maybe he'll just sit there. Maybe he'll just sit there. <laughs> when uh, we got to the U.S., he uh, he taught for a while at night in the city. Uh, and then little by little, he was able to uh, um, get work that got him closer to eventually working for CBS News. Right. What? When you were leaving Cuba, did you? Ha- I know I hear I've heard a lot of different stories. Did you have to leave everything behind? Did oh yeah. You- My father, when he declared that he wanted to leave the country, uh, he was immediately sent to a work camp, mm. uh, which was an agricultural camp. Now my dad is, is an engineer. You know he didn't know what he was doing over there, but uh, that was part of the the process in 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 Cuba. Everyone had to participate at the level that they that the government felt that they should participate. So he was sent to this camp where he um, soon after fell off a truck and broke some ribs. So he was transferred, and eventually he was working uh, repairing a kind of carousel system for milking cows. So that's what he was doing for a very long time while while we were waiting. You know, we waited something six slightly years. closer to being an engineer. <laughs> yeah, at least he was working with you know electrical yes. circuits and things like that. Um, but it certainly wasn't what he was trained to no. do. Um, and it was a form of punishment. Um, our, all our belongings were inventoried uh, so that at the time, because everything belonged to the revolution, so uh, you know they wanted to make sure that at the time that if we did get uh, permission to leave, that everything that we had claimed would still be there. So we couldn't sell anything. We couldn't get rid of anything. We had to, we would, if a piece of furniture broke, we put it in the closet just to make sure that we would say, yeah, there it is. Plates, broken plates were saved. Um, our television broke. We couldn't repair it. The the refrigerator broke. We couldn't repair that. You know, it's because we since we were considered to be, and the the term for it is gusano, which means worm, mm. and that's what we were called. So um, uh, we had to make sure that everything was there. You know, uh, any kind of jewelry, all everything was inventoried. So when the time came to leave, 
yeah, everything had to be left behind. Hmm. We were four people with one duffel bag. And I distinctly have that memory, a visual memory of, you know, my parents being sort of interviewed and in a list of things and where is this, where is this, where is this? And then the bag being placed on one of those conveyor belts. And um, at some point, the conveyor belt suddenly stopped and my the, the duffel bag was between two other pieces of luggage that belonged to somebody else. And it got squeezed into this <laughs> tiny little... You know, my father had a watch that was being kept together, was was being held together by a paperclip, and they they kept that, oh, you know, because it was on the inventory, <laughs> so that had to stay behind. <laughs> my sister's photographs of her graduation we could not take out because in the back there were these slogans that you know were for everyone at the ceremony to see. There were slogans by Marti or or Fidel, and. Um, we couldn't take those with us because those were in the pictures. Because they were like government property. I don't slogans. know. I don't they really were... don't know what the deal was. That you know, it's like what's. But we we could. So she couldn't take her graduation mm. pictures with her because they had that. You know, we're receiving her diploma or whatever from grammar school. Do you think um, any of that material might still survive somewhere today? Was it all archived? Was it uh, given Which away? Material? The things you had to leave behind. Oh no, that was you know that is is immediately. Um, uh, disperse with or so mm -hmm. I don't know what did they what's done with it I can tell you this every neighborhood had what they call a CDR which is a Comité de la Defensa de la Revolución Committee for the Defense of the Revolution and those were the folks that kept an eye on everybody else you know and our neighbor downstairs um, they were the sort of collaborators they, or the they just worked for the they worked for the government it was a way to, right. to make a living I mean it's like you belong to these things and and at, at first there was this real need for that because you know there was a fear that the revolution was going to go backwards if we didn't keep but it became sort of like a little bit more um, sinister as time went on and kind of funny the way that everything in Cuba is sort of sinister and funny you mm -hmm. know so there was this lady, and she was the head of the CDR, and I was friends with her, her two sons. We had a, a cigarette box collection together. You know, we would collect cigarette boxes from uh, that the, um, the foreigners who would come to, the, uh, to be tourists, mostly Russian, but they would bring in Marlboro and these, you know, so it was like we collected these like things. Like the big cartons? Yeah, no, the cigarette oh, the boxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Boxes, we would collect yeah. the empty boxes. They would throw mm -hmm. them out. Anyway, so the, the day that we... Um, received the telegram that we were leaving i think either that day or a couple of days later she came up to get stuff from our apartment because since she had the inventory she could pick and choose so there was this little rollaway bar that my mom had that was made out of wrought iron or something like that and she kept that so the the you know the issue of public property or right. private property is a curious one in cuba as well uh you know so i remember her keeping some of that stuff. We were like, fine, we don't care. It's like, we're leaving. They're not going to take that with us, you know, kind of a thing. But uh, so there's that, um, there's that little bit of uh, history. Yeah. <laughs> and and you, know, you end up in Spain uh -huh. because you had family there, right? Mm -hmm. Well, we had family. Did we have family in Spain? No. Your aunt, who was a dancer, was she in Spain? No, no, she oh, was okay. not there yet. No, no. Uh, no, we went to Spain because there were two options. You either went to Spain or you went to Venezuela. And the folks that we had here in the U.S., paid for our ticket to go to Spain. Oh, okay. So that's why we ended up in Spain. Mm -hmm. And we knew so, there were some people there that we knew that kind of helped us set up and get an apartment and all that. Um, it was a furnished apartment, I remember, in Madrid. And um, that was just for a year or two? Or? That was for a year, mm -hmm. but normally it would take three years. Um, however, when they saw... So you would take... You had to spend like three years there, and then you would apply for um, passage to the U.S., right? Um 
when they saw how many years we had been held back in Cuba after we had applied, they kind of fast-tracked us, and then we were able to leave in one year. And then you landed in Union City? Union City, yeah. That's right. the, the little Havana on the Hudson. Right. <laughs> the other place where all the Cubans went. Yeah, <laughs> sure. And um, I think, I, I, I might be wrong, Union City is considered a, a, a bit more liberal-leaning in the Cuban community than maybe Miami? Um, yeah, I think distance has something to do with that. Weather, certainly. Mm. <laughs> I think that the Cubans who came to Union City and stayed because many came and left mm. you know went back to miami or you know um or the warm uh, uh weather t- uh, places but i i think that because those that stayed in union city west new york north bergen area tended to have a little bit i think less of a, a less conservative perspective on on um on the issue of cuba right i i just i say that because whenever Whenever something happens with Cuba, policy-wise and all, you, you hear from the Miami community quite a bit. Right away, mm-hmm. yeah. And then they might go to the... I mean, there's less, a lot less Cubans now in, uh, in the Union City area. But yeah, you would also get, you know, they would, local news would visit Union City and they would go to... Interestingly enough, though, they would often go to the hotspots of conservative Cuban thought. Mm-hmm. So the restaurant or the Mason Lodge, you know, it's like, uh, it's like they, this is where they went. And of course, they always got the same kind of response. It was almost right. like, yeah, but there are other people. But those people were not perhaps congregating. Right. They weren't so, as organized, maybe. Not or, as organized. Right, right. They didn't have the, the, the support of the Miami Cubans, you know. So, you know, but they were there. I remember, you know, talking to many of them and... Um, they were an interesting group, but they were not as organized, you know, mm-hmm. in part because I think they were just didn't want to deal with the backlash, you know. So how old were you when you landed in Union City? Uh, 11, right. I believe. So you would have been just entering I was sixth, in, Yeah, I was in grade. grammar school. Mm-hmm. I remember that I had been left back in Spain because there, when they, I got tested in school, they said, oh, no, you have to do whatever fourth grade again. So when I got to the U.S., I did fifth grade. Mrs. Siegel. <laughs> I remember that. You know, she was very kind. And there was, um, it was before ESL, so, yeah. Right. So just immersion. I, I <laughs> distinctly remember you telling me you learned a lot of your English from Star Trek. Star Trek. <laughs> and in particular, Spock. Spock. Yeah, Spock <laughs> was my favorite character because my... May he rest in peace. My, exactly. <laughs> uh, photographer. Yes. Um, yeah, yes. among other things. Um <laughs> What happened was that uh, when we first got here, my mom got a job right away. My dad didn't have work, so he would stay home and translate the episodes for my sister and I. When my father started working in the evening teaching in the city, um, and my mom had no interest in translating Star Trek, all of a sudden we were lost. We had to figure out what was going on in the episodes. So it was a, a desperate need to understand what was happening on the Enterprise that led us to learning English. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I think uh, mostly your politics, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're de- I'm, I'm, I'm all about aliens. I like aliens. Yeah. You know, the greener the better. Um, so then, uh, uh, did Union City have a, uh, so a grade school and then a middle school and a high school? I, 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 it was all new to me. So I did uh, grade school and then I went to high school there okay. as well. And they were all walking distance. My sister and I would walk to school, you know, so it was part of the neighborhood. Right. Yeah. Was it in high school that you started to become interested in photography? No, uh, it was prior to that. Um, my, my father always photographed, um, 
he was, you know, a, an amateur, but uh, in, in the best way. Uh, but he really liked taking pictures, and um, I have a photograph of him photographing with a camera that I then went out and bought because I wanted to understand that camera. Um, so he uh, he always took. So he was my my main influence. He bought me my first camera, which is not an unusual story for photographers of mm -hmm. our generation. Um, and um, so he was my main influence. My second main influence was, um, believe it or not, a character on the show Lou Grant, <laughs> which was a, a, a show about newspaper, and it was an offshoot of I think the Mary Tyler yes, Moore show. Yes, yeah, spinoff. Yeah. yeah, there was a guy in there, a character named Animal. I don't remember this at all. Yeah, and he used to have a, a Canon F, I mean a Nikon F, sorry, with a giant motor drive. You never saw the pictures that he took on the show, of course, but I thought he looked really cool, so I wanted to be a photographer. So I had an, a 110 Instamatic, and I would photograph with that. However, it was in high school when the, the school had gotten some funding to build a darkroom. And Mr. Shapiro, who ran the AV, taught me how to process film and how to print. And I would often um, stay in school after the school would close. So I would hide in the darkroom and wait <laughs> until everyone was gone so I could continue working in the darkroom. And I'd be the last one to leave the building. You know, it's like the, the building was shut up, you know, and, and I would be walking out because I had spent the day, you know, processing and printing film. So that's when I really just got the bug for photography. I didn't know any photographers. I just thought you could be a National Geographic photographer or you could be animal and be on a show or, right. you know, be a newspaper photographer. That was it. I would say half my students want to be a National Geographic photographer. Yeah, it's, it's a very popular thing, although, right. I, you know, I don't understand the attraction anymore. But at the time, I, I thought, you know, this was great. I mean, mm -hmm. it seemed like, you know, you're traveling throughout the world. You got wide angle lenses and telephoto lenses and... It was very gear-centric kind of photography. I didn't know the history of National Geographic, right. which is a complicated <laughs> history. So mm -hmm. you know, it just—it was the photo. It, the, we had that. We bought the magazine. Yes. Because if you know, you had to buy the magazine. Everybody bought the magazine. We had stacks of them. Nobody ever looked at them, but we had stacks of them. <laughs> um, so you know. Yeah, I think I remember um, being becoming interested in photography pretty late in, in terms of uh, um, high school. Even it, yeah. it was it was a junior year. Mm. And somebody, I think somebody approached me uh, if I wanted to photograph for the yearbook. Mm. Uh, I was in a photography class. We had electives at that point. So I had taken a photography class, uh, Mr. Hall, I believe, uh, mm. Northport, New York. Um, and uh, I was pretty hooked for, uh, very early on. Even, even the idea, and I, I didn't know photographers. And I didn't know how people photographed. And I didn't know what you were really supposed to do. Right. But uh, immediately, I just started wandering. Huh. With, you know, I mean, I thought, well, this is this has got to be the way to do it, and and it's still the way I work today. Yeah. I just wander, yeah. like, especially when I can't think of what I want to do. Well, one of the things that was recently, I was like, we had to move. You know, we came here to Norwood, so I had to go through everything that I own and decide, okay, what can we actually, you know, afford to move? What do we have to get rid of? You come across these old negatives, and I still have my the first negatives I processed. You know, and. In, uh, in, in high school, in, at Union Hill High School. And, you know, I'm looking at the subject matter and it hasn't changed that much. It's like I'm <laughs> photographing in my neighborhood. Uh, there are pictures of houses and gardens and, you know, chain link fences and all these things that I was like, it's surprising that I, going back to it, it's like, yeah, it's the same idea. I wanted to have a camera so I could walk around and take pictures. It just seemed like this is what you do, right? Right. Um, you know, it was either that or photograph the family, you mm -hmm. know, which is what my dad did. Um, 
when he wasn't traveling. Because then the other thing I found that he also would take his camera wherever he went when he was traveling for work, when he would go to the interior of the country in, in Cuba, he would photograph all kinds of things. Um, you know, antennas mostly, which he was working at, you know, the microwave antennas and stuff. That's right. Like yeah. But you just photograph your life. You photograph what, what you saw around you. There wasn't like a need to create a new thing. It was there, you know, so you just went, you just had to figure out how to make a good picture of that thing that was in front of you. And that was enough, you know? Yeah. And then after high school, oh, actually, just to finish that thought, mm. the other reason why uh, I loved photography in high school was it gave me a way of approaching girls in high school. I was just going to say, <laughs> boy, the moment you have a camera, girls right. just want to be photographed. And, and uh, yeah, when I was in high school, it was the height of modeling. Everyone wanted to be a model. I think they might still be the case. I don't know. But yeah, girls just all of a sudden, here you are. You're the guy with the camera, you know, or the yearbook. Right. You know, I did no, the, the yearbook, yearbook too. Was, uh, the way. Otherwise, I, would, I wouldn't even speak to most girls in high no. school. No. And this is how I made I had friends who were like football players who were popular. <laughs> right. I was like, I wasn't the popular guy. <laughs> but, you know, they wanted their picture taken. So all of a sudden, I was the center of attention. It was a very curious thing. But. Yes. Yeah. I still remember um, uh, one, one girl I was very attracted to writing in my yearbook. My personal photographer, because I must have photographed her <laughs> a lot. Yeah, you know, it, I have to tell you, it it, it it could have been anyone, I think. But just, you know, the idea was fine. We were there to fit the the, uh, the role at the time, yes. so that's good. Yeah, I had, I, you know, someone's writing me these effusive notes, you know, loving I, I have no idea. I can't even remember her name, but it was like she just loved the fact that I photographed her. And she would, all of a sudden, we became best friends. I was like, I hardly knew this person. It's like, we're friends. But it was because I would photograph her, yes. you know, whenever she asked. So that was kind of fun. Um, it opened a lot of social doors. Mm -hmm. So that was good. Now, which, that was, you were in high school where? Because I know you've traveled a lot. Yeah. So uh, I was already living on Long Island. Okay. Uh, Comac North which doesn't exist anymore. It's now uh, some sort of unified Comac High School. Oh, okay. But yes, it was Comac North at the time. That same thing happened to my high school. It disappeared. Mm -hmm. It became, yeah. it's now Union something. I can't remember what that is, but it's a very different place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did uh, they have a darkroom there? Yes, we had a, a full-fledged darkroom. Yeah. Um, we what? would roll our own film into canisters. That's right. right? That's yep, right, yep. yeah. We would make the tiniest little test strips because the school would supply the photo paper. That's right. Little strips of five by seven, use them for anything. cut into you know wide macaroni noodles. Yeah. Yes, that's hilarious. Yeah, it's like what can you look at? What can you gauge right. from that? Nothing. If there was tone, that was the time. That's right. Oh and I think we started with the good old uh, shoebox pinhole camera. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Sure. 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 Which is still a fun way to to experiment with oh it's very simple yeah mm -hmm. but it's it, it gets you thinking right away which is good mm -hmm. and then i think you and i both took um a non-linear uh, route oh God, to yeah. uh, to our undergrad degrees yes, right i started out much. at lehigh to be an engineer mm -hmm. because that's what everyone was doing mm -hmm. and i thought well then you know i should do that too because i really did not know what i want to do and it's probably the worst idea and i tell this to my community college students all the time the worst thing you want to do is make a big expensive mistake when you don't know what yeah. you're doing. Lehigh was really a, is a beautiful, beautiful university. I've actually been there um, quite a bit since I left Lehigh uh, to photograph in Bethlehem. I took my documentary photo, uh, photography class there to photograph mm. in and around there. Mm. Um, and the, the town itself, uh, the city, Bethlehem, is... Oh, really it's come completely back. changed it's, it's completely come back yeah yes. it's the, the brooklyn of pennsylvania yes. or something you know it's like yeah uh but um 
But yeah, so I, I spent a year studying engineering at Lehigh, and it's an incredible place to be. But they did not have um, a visual arts program. Mm. I'm not even sure at that time they had anything close to resembling uh, something I could do with visual arts. Mm. Um, I remember using the police darkroom to the make The police darkroom? Yes, the campus uh, police darkroom. Oh, really? Yes. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> that's where I printed. Yeah, that's where I printed my uh, uh, Walker Evans lookalike yeah, photographs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did they <laughs> yes. have a newspaper? Um Yes, they had a new. They must have had a newspaper. Yeah, yes. they must have had a darker. I, yeah, maybe it's funny that you ended up with the police. Had it, but I just remember finding campus security had a dark room. Right. Was it being used? <laughs> uh, very little. Very little. Very little. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. I remember it being very dark, in a basement, very yeah. small. Yeah. Uh, but I spent time there. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because just recently I found out that Fordham uptown in Rose Hill, the physics department had a dark room. Mm. And the reason why they had a dark room was because they have a seismology station and oh, the original I think I've seen some seismographs. Yeah. yeah, where you started a little project. I did a little there, project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm still in the process of editing it. But there were these rolls that had photographic paper, so they had to process them. And once they went to a more digital and computer-based mm -hmm. system, they got rid of the darkroom. So I never got to see the darkroom. So it's interesting where these darkrooms sort of were all over the place yeah. for different, <laughs> you know, for different reasons. Yeah. Right. Um, and then I came to the School of Visual Arts in... So how long were you at Lehigh, though? Just a year. Just a year? Just a year. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh. I, I, I still remember uh, the day I was packing up uh, after the spring semester, and my, one of my roommates, uh, who was a, a friend in high school, Ken Getz, said, all right, well, I guess I'll, um, I'll see you in the fall. I said, oh... I forgot to tell you I'm, <laughs> I'm not, not coming, coming back. back. I was like, oh, I was such a bastard. I, mean, well, I, you know. I was a, I was getting a, a little miserable, I think, towards the end that I, I just kind of stopped talking to people. The one the one thing that, I, I, that stands out to me about SVA at the time that we went there was there were no scholarships for transfer students. There were yeah. only scholarships for students coming straight out of high school, and that mm -hmm. has changed quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and I, I currently send students to SVA today. But um, Now, what year are we talking about here? Because I can't remember. 80... Would have been... So eighty six, okay. Because I grad, yeah, yes. And then you came in the spring of eighty seven. But the, and, and the, that's when I met you. When when you when you met with them, what did you show them like? Oh in terms of yes, actually, that's why I was using the darkroom at Lehigh. I was yeah. putting together a portfolio. Okay. I had probably three or four photos from high school mm -hmm. that I would still want, you know, would have wanted to show then. Yeah. And then I had, um, uh, you know, started photographing in in Bethlehem. Uh, railroad tracks and sure, the cemetery sure, sure. and the steel mill sure, and yeah. all the things that a photo one student would just yeah. uh, <laughs> engorge themselves yeah. on in this uh, great old uh, city. Um, and that was my portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when, uh, I mean, my, my, my route to, uh, to SVA was also rather confusing. Uh, I started um, by going to NYU because I was told by my advisors that I would make a good lawyer. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know if I had to take that anymore. <laughs> now that I think back on it, but they wanted me to write because I was I was writing for the magazines at school and also taking uh, photographs. But they thought, no, you can't just do photography. Photography is just this secondary uh, function. The first one is is you need to write. So I, I you know they they said okay you know law school and so I went to um, I, I applied to NYU to um, Fordham interestingly enough and to Montclair State and I got into NYU and I thought you know I want to be I want to be in the city so that was that in um, in the village certainly so I went there and basically spent three years getting a great education 
and not knowing anything that I was doing. I was just going from major to major. If there was a pretty girl who had a major that I wanted to, you know, I, I switched majors and that wasn't a very good um, <laughs> career method. plan. No. Yeah. And, and, that, and um, but I did take a wonderful uh, history of photography class. Oh, yes. and I don't remember the teacher. I, I'm sorry to say, um, she was fabulous because she introduced me to Beaumont Newhall's history of photography, which has its issues. But <laughs> more importantly, she introduced me to uh, John Sharkovsky's Looking at Photographs. Mm. And that was a very interesting thing for me. Um, I Soon after that, I switched into the photography concentration uh, at, at NYU. But I didn't like the fact that they spent a lot of times writing uh, papers. And when I said, well, what do you do with a degree in photography from NYU? Someone said, you become a medical photographer. And I thought, I don't think I want to do that. That's um, one of the oddest answers I've I know. Ever heard. And it was like, but it's stuck in my head to this day. It's like, well, that's kind of, I, no, I don't want to do that. So I spent the semester there and then I, I left. I, I didn't think that was the right thing for me. Um, eventually, after three years, my sister had then, by then graduated, uh, finished her degree uh, from Stevens Tech, and all of a sudden my my uh, my scholarship was gone because now our income was no longer low enough to warrant a uh, a scholarship. So I had to figure out what to do. I I went to talk to um, to my counselors, and they said, "Well, you don't have enough credits to really graduate. You have to set another year." And I was like, "Okay, that's not going to work." So I panicked, and I bolted out of there and did a semester at NGIT because I was going to be a computer programmer because you can guarantee a job. Um, well, that didn't work. Uh, one problem was that there were no girls in the program, and I didn't like that, so I ended up, you know, I would spend all my time at Rutgers. Um, but that didn't make sense. It, it, it created a kind of crisis, and I, I had to look back and say, well, what am I interested in? You know, I remember my, my dad coming to me and saying, you know, just pick something and stick with it. You know, you keep changing. And I realized that the one thing that was consistent throughout all those things was that photography was a passion, whether before looking at photographs or afterwards. When I, even when I went to NGIT, the job I had was running the darkroom. So I would spend more time in the darkroom than going to calculus class or Fortran class. Um, so I decided that I, I was going to, you know, on my own, I didn't tell anyone, I put a portfolio together. And I, I went and sat down and had an interview with, uh, with the people at, um, at SVA. And I remember the woman who interviewed me distinctly said, well, you know, if, you, if we accept you, you might have to spend like eight hours in the darkroom. <laughs> like, and I thought, yeah, that's the whole point. You know, I, I, I absolutely want to do that. Yes, let me in, please. You. And I was in. You know, and then, of course, the moment I told my family, my, my mother cried. <laughs> and then she didn't cry because I became a photographer. I was going to become a photographer, but, but it was because... I changed my mind yet again. Right. I, I, I do you remember know? that moment. I, I, at the time, I was living on Long Island with my aunt and uncle. Yeah. And uh, um, I think they were pretty proud that I was at Lehigh, you know, a uh, pretty prestigious school, studying engineering. Yeah, sure. And, you know, had I was at NYU, you know. Yes, exactly. And I do remember coming into the den, sitting down next to the fireplace uh, and saying, so I think it was, um, it was, it was the Christmas break, the, the, the mid-semester break, uh, because I started the application that spring. Mm. And saying, I don't think I want to continue to do this. Um, and uh, I remember, I think they said, well, why don't you just continue with the spring semester, see how it goes. Yeah. And uh, But in the end, it was, it's your decision. You sure, know? sure. And they, they were actually pretty supportive of that. But I, I learned later from my cousin, their, their oldest son, 
that and they immediately called him afterwards and said what do you think (laughs) (laughs) are we doing the right thing by letting him change (laughs) no it's true it's like it's it's for most people the idea that you're saying you want to be a photographer and that what does that mean exactly you're going to be a commercial photographer a newspaper you can do weddings i mean that was the thing the question was like so are you going to do weddings and it's like no i don't think i want to do weddings one of the things that had happened while i was at nyu um which was a very important thing for me was that um, they had a small bookstore, and in that um, in that in that bookstore, there was a, one day there was a sale, and I went to see what they had, and there were two books that I bought. Uh, one was Harry Callahan's Color Work. I remember going to the store and looking around at books, and there was uh, like I said that Harry, a big oversized you know coffee table type book of Harry Callahan's color work and I didn't know who Harry Callahan was I didn't know he had a history before that of you know black and white photography um, but I thought it was interesting so I bought that book it was a slip case book you know um, but I never connected to that photography because it seemed very abstract and sort of you know about saturated color you know it was that kind of thing the other book was Walker Evans first and last and that book really changed my perception. I think it was after that that I pursued taking the photo history class because there was this thing called photo history. I didn't know it existed. Um, but it was Walker Evans' book that um, that really kind of turned the tables for me because I thought, oh, that's the kind of photography that I like. I immediately connect. I didn't understand the work, but I knew that it was it was wonderful, and I wanted to be part of that. Um, so I still have that book. The Carrie Callahan book has since gone. Um, but that really changed my perspective, but it's impossible for me to try to explain to someone who's not aware of Walker Evans, oh, this is why I did it. If I show them that book, they'd be like, what? Yeah. How is that? Oh, you like to photograph old things? And it's like, well, no, that's not it. Actually, (laughs) it's this other thing. (laughs) But I didn't know that. And, and, many years later, um, the ideas that I thought that I, that I experienced when looking, the feelings that I experienced when looking at that book became more, uh, more concrete in my head and I could actually talk about them and it was just a feeling you know I had it's like oh I want to make pictures like this I, this is what I'm interested in yeah it's, it's interesting that you started out with a, a very uh, rooted foundation in photography through those books yeah by uh, chance I yeah, happened to walk I, into the store and there was a sale right because yeah. I, I didn't become aware of those people maybe not until my second or third year at the School of Visual Arts yeah. I mean well, I, I, I we you know I don't I don't remember being exposed to that kind of I remember um, being exposed to you know more of the Lizette model mm-hmm. kind of school of photography sure. because I had a, an instructor Helen Butfield who came from that school. Well, she was Lizette's uh, uh, student. Right, they worked together. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. And and then second year, I think it was Paul Elfenbein color photography. Mm. That so I, and it was all commercial. Yeah. And and then my honestly my first book that really influenced me was was Joel Sternfeld's <laughs> Cat Cat <laughs> Joel Sternfeld's. Uh, um, the fireman, uh, the pumpkin on yeah, the cover. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, blanking on the name of that American book. Prospects. American Prospects. And yeah. that was the biggest influence on me. I remember and when you got that very book. very reason why I shoot color photography. Yeah, I remember when you got that book. It was a big deal. We were looking right. at it going, wow, look at this thing. And it was like, it was... Yeah, you could be kind of whimsical with in a documentary style. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, just a, this book that... that Kind of exposed uh, uh, the awkwardness of humanity. In of a humanity way. in America. It was, yeah. it was. It was. Yeah. No. It's a, a groundbreaking book. I mean, 
you look at someone like uh, Alex Soth right now, who is so popular. I mean, that's that was his teacher. You know, he was he's, he he studied with Joel. It's like right. that's the kind of the connection that that the effect that that book is still having on people as they continue to look at it, continues to be in print, which is great. Um, yeah, it's like it was by chance that I came across those books. Um, what people also maybe don't understand is that at the, at the time that we were at SVA, SVA was a commercial school. It was I much mean, you, more so. You went, most of the classes mm -hmm. were teaching us, you know, tricks to be able to do. I mean, I remember photographing glass bottles, you know, and, <laughs> and figuring out how to light a glass bottle and photograph. And then the next right. day you would photograph. Do you remember Len D'Alessio's studio class. photo? And then incredibly the useful class. class. Oh, I loved Len D'Alessio. Yeah. I love that class. I still... I mean, I think the knowledge I got from that class still very still. much influences oh, yeah. what I do. But, um, but do you remember Sardi Klein's? Oh, yeah. What was that class called? It was all about making money in photography. In photography. Right. And, and doing editorial work or, or weddings or whatever mm -hmm. it took to make pictures using a handheld camera and going out into the, and then lighting things. And yeah, it right. was, I can't remember what it was like. Yeah, but it was all about this is how you make a living yeah, as a commercial making a photographer, living as, a photographer, as an editorial right? commercial photographer. Right. Um, we went to a, a primarily a technical school. We, we both worked for the school doing... Um, uh, publicity work. Yes, public relations. You know, public relations work. We we understood yeah. that stuff. That's what we were doing. There happened to be these other classes. One of them, or two of them, that were in the fine art field, and those right. were sort of the left, you know, the left field kind of classes. You know, most yeah. people didn't take them. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I even though I didn't have uh, Thomas Roma at the School of Visual Arts, I feel like the biggest influence from that time came uh, through his class, and and for me, it was just listening to you guys talk because you were in the class and I wasn't. Yeah. But that was an odd class. That was a totally odd class. Yeah. It had a it had a bad reputation. <laughs> right. It had I picked it because it was the only class, you know, when we're selecting classes. It was it was a uh, seminar class, right? I think right. it was a seminar class. Six hour seminar class. Six hours on <laughs> Thursdays for two semesters. Right. It's insane. You know, the idea that you would spend that much time. Um and I remember picking it because it was the only class description that mentioned a um, black and white, which is what I was interested in. I had no interest in color photography. Um, and uh, it was the shortest description of all of them. <laughs> it, had, it was like a one or two sentence description. Well, do you remember what it said? I don't remember. I can't, but it was like, it was the most... Benign bland or, yeah. yeah it was about you know we explore black and white photography in the dark room and blah 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 and through critiques and that was it it was like it could be anything <laughs> it wasn't uh we're going to talk about every photo for six hours no, and I, some of you I are had no going idea. to cry I had, I had never i had never experienced that a class that was that long even mm -hmm. the even their even the darkroom classes weren't that no long. no this, they this weren't. was insane and it was yeah. like is there a darkroom session right. involved? He's like, no, no, you're just going to sit in the room with this guy and talk about pictures. Um, it was shocking. And and I remember the first day going there and walking out of the class with my mouth open because I was like, and everybody was just looking at each other going, what just happened? It was, it was the, the, the ugly duckling of all the classes, mm -hmm. you know, um, Many people, you know, people would take the class and leave because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a commercial class at all. Right. You know, but yet it was the class where I learned the most about photography, technically and, you know, aesthetically. It was in right. history. It was it was all combined. And I think part of it was because Tom also came from that background where it was just, you know, photography was this thing that commercial photographers did and art photographers did. But it was a, a, this little world that existed uh, in a, a, on its own. 
I remember, you know, talking to other people that were taking classes and they were and they were discussing wedding photography in, in a seminar context. Yes. That yeah. was SVA. That's what they did. Um, it was it was usually just one art class. Right. You know, art, you know, right. whatever. Art <laughs> photography class. I have actually very little memory of my seminar class. <laughs> I think I think we spent a lot of time co- talking about uh, color saturation mm-hmm. and um, the proper exposure for slide film. Oh, yeah. And... How to illustrate um, concepts and titles, uh, you know, for magazine work and mm-hmm. things like that. There was someone I knew who was taking uh, David Vestal's uh, oh, seminar right. class, and they spent the whole time trying to figure out what was the correct ISO setting for TriX. <laughs> that's right. You know, and, and, and if you look at David Vestal's you know, technical sense. book, yes. that's what he taught, and that's what you went there to do, you know, to figure those things out. And there was endless tests of film, film stocks, this, that. It was torturous, you know, from what I could understand. And meanwhile, we were having a blast in the other class, you know, <laughs> if you could call it that. Yes, you were having um, something in the other we class. We were having something was... that. But, um, People were getting maybe blasted. <laughs> I, I don't know what was going You know, it's like most of the time it was just a free-for-all. But it was one of the most, I mean, for me certainly, it was the, the truly the final sort of stage of, okay, this is what I want my life to be about. Right. It was clear to me that this, after coming from that class, I was introduced to Lee Friedlander, Helen Levitt, uh, John Sharkovsky, Susan Kismarek, all these people who I have read about, but I didn't know who they were. All of a sudden, I was having dinner with them, and I was, you know, hanging. We were going to Coney Island with them. That was a very strange thing, and I was like, "Yeah, this is the way. Isn't everyone doing this? Isn't this right. the way we should be doing it?" But it turned out that wasn't the case. I was just lucky. No, it, it was very different. I do, and I do remember meeting you guys for lunch during the lunch break, mm-hmm. and you all, you always had this sort of shell shock. Look, I mean, it looks like there was some uh, post-traumatic uh, stress. It's, it's compl- I'm still, I'm still talking class. about it. You know, I'm still uh, dealing with it with my therapist. Yeah, it's, it was, it was, it was very, it was a very, very different experience. Um, just talking to Tom recently, and you know, things have changed, of course. Mm-hmm. But at that time, uh, there was a lot more leeway uh, in the classroom to what could be discussed and how it was discussed, um, which I thought was better. It it treated, I mean, we were adults. We were adults there. It's like there were no kids. It's like there's a lot of hand-holding that goes on now. That was was not going on. You, You came in ready to talk, ready to work. You were put on the spot. You had to, you know, talk about what you were trying to do. This was serious business, and we, and I liked that. I, I enjoyed it. I think everyone, no one quit, you know, in that mm-hmm. group. Everybody suffered through it, and and I do mean suffer. Um, you know, there was crying. There was there were there were intestinal problems. There I was. Believe there were prints being thrown out the window. That was that was <laughs> at one point. Yes, that was that was part of it too. Um, but you know, it was it, it was it taught us not to get too attached to what we were doing because it was about understanding what we were doing. And if you if you get too attached to your photographs, you're not going to question them and you're not going to think about them in a, with a critical uh, distance. And that's brutal. That's really a bad idea because right. then you're in love with your work and then you know that's all you do. And you okay, can't let go. Right. You just can't let go and move on to the next thing and. And we had teachers like that who, you know, loved their work and talked about their work in such a way and kept trying to remake the work that they thought was successful. They never grew right. as, 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 uh, as people in the world, certainly as photographers, because they were in love with their work. We weren't allowed to do that. We just couldn't because every week was a new set of pictures right. and, and a new a level of scrutiny, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it was also a community. We would go in, look at pictures talk about some element of photography then we would all go have lunch 
you know, uh, together. And we brought it back to the classroom and we sat there and had lunch together. And then we went back to looking at pictures. We talked about books. We talked about the history of photography. We talked about technology, certainly, you know, how were things done until I got to that class. I didn't learn how to expose triax correctly. And it was, you know, and it was taught to me without a meter. You actually used an expression earlier that came directly from that class from Tom, which was, you don't know how to do this by now. You should ask for your money back. Yeah, get a refund. <laughs> yeah. it's, seriously, yeah. it's it's embarrassing. Third year of a, right. a photography school, and I still don't know how to expose film correctly to get good shadow detail. You know, what what are we doing there? I spent a lot of time in the darkroom fixing bad negatives instead of someone saying, "Hey, maybe you should change your negative." You know, maybe the exposure is bad. Right. Instead, I just spent all that time figuring out how to, you know, burn and dodge a bad negative and a bad negative. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, I've been, have you been back to, uh, recently to the no, School of Shorts? No, I, no, no. I go there once a year. I bring my students there for, oh, that's good. You for have a transfer connection. orientation. Yeah. And, sure. and, you know, this year, Stephen Fraley was uh, the chair now, the chairman yeah. of the program. Very generous, came out, spoke to all my students. Talked about how he remembered me, you know. I think really was he an adjunct when we were there? Was he? A, Stephen was. He just start teaching there. He just started teaching there. Yeah, he yeah. had just you know because he had just had his big breakthrough with his color work. Right, and and so he was. I think he was brought in to teach. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. the facilities now are they're pretty wonderful. They're pretty yeah. spectacular. Yeah. I mean, it is. Um, I believe uh, um, most of the area is dedicated towards digital work, but mm-hmm. it, it, the, the labs are just fantastic. fantastic. And oh, I, my goodness. Yeah. I still tell people, it's like, if you're interested in, in it's like, what are you interested in? It's like, if you want to be a photographer, I think you need to go to, like, you know, School of Visual. I, I, I love that place. I mean, yeah. it was, I had a great experience yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and more recently, I, I've been highly recommending Pratt as well. Pride is a great place. Like, uh, yeah, well, they have Stephen a new Hilger chair. Stephen Hilger is yeah. doing a great they have job. A new chair, there. and that's great. Yeah. Uh, his his lecture series has been fantastic. Oh, My I, students have been going to that. I, I was going when I could, but now I teach. Uh, um, I, I've been problem, teaching late yeah. on Wednesdays. I can't get up there in time, but yeah, that's a fantastic series. Yeah, that's a fantastic series. So they're doing great work there. You know, Stephen also went uh, was Columbia person uh, mm-hmm. like us. Yeah, we'll um, get to that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, that'll happen later. Um, so that was the, you know, SVA was like a really quirky place to go because of the fact that, um, you know, it was a technical school. It was a commercial school and there was this other class that was an art class. And there was, and then after that, I had, you know, you, you did your, your, your seminar class, you know, uh, and we met, I remember getting there and you were the one person that came to me and said, you need help? Because I didn't know what was going on. You must have looked very lost. I was, I, I think I was very lost. I didn't know what was going on. I walked into the in mid-semester, mid-year. It was, know, mid-year, yeah. And it just occurred to me why I, I hardly remember my uh, third year classes. That's when I went to the Middle East. You were in the Middle East. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's right. When, that's that's when right. Was, you um, were doing your, uh, your study there, yeah. The uh, transfer program, it was the uh, student exchange program right. to Betzalel Academy right. uh, on the Hebrew University campus. And at that time, you were still work. you still wanted to be a kind of a photojournalist. I was very much into photojournalism. I had a, a photojournalism instructor, Ed Hart, who right. was the um, photo, was main great. photo editor. He was fantastic. Yeah. At uh, United Press International, right. when it was still a, a legitimate right, news organization. <laughs> Wow. In New York, yeah. when it was still competing with the Associated Press, Press you yeah. know, yeah, and then and then I spent six months in the Middle East, and while I was at Betzalel, that's when I was photographing uh, the first Intifada. Right, right, right. Sure. So it was a very different trajectory at that time. Yeah, I know. was on a very different path from yeah. the rest of you at that time. Yes, that was yeah, because we were. That's right. That was during Tom's class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you came back, and then you joined us in the thesis class. Because yeah, we were all friends. Yeah. yeah, and I was doing. Uh, I was still doing very much more straight documentary work. Mm-hmm. I was photographing um, 
kids in the Lower East Side, yeah. uh, living in housing projects right. at the time. Right. Uh, so I, I stopped doing that work, and that's when I started doing a lot of the more landscape work. Right. And I, and I still think some of this landscape work is, is fine, and I still look. Did you, did back you do on, the Staten Island project that's, at that time? I did the Staten Island project right after that class. Oh, okay. That's, that was. Um, that was when we had started traveling around together. Okay. It was during right. that okay. time, okay. after SVA. Right. Um, but uh, during Lois's class, that's when I did the, the High Line. That was the park. Oh, that's right. Right, the That's right. <laughs> you, were, you were trespassing into the then yes, High Line, then which it, is not the High Line that we have today, it, obviously. I, and they were still talk of, of tearing that down. Tearing it down, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And the, and the homeless to, were living up there. It was kind of dangerous to, to go up there. used to sneak up there through a, a parking lot, right. through a fence in a parking lot. Right. And there were still people who lived in and around the buildings above the High Line, and yeah. they would just uh, pop their heads out and either yell at me or <laughs> just give me dirty looks. And <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to imagine that neighborhood now because, I mean, it's so different now. It's it's just completely, you know, yeah. transformed into something else and you know, some kind of, you know. Yeah, now it's, a, it's actually a gorgeous park. Gorgeous place, <laughs> yeah. Where you can buy stuff. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and it keeps growing. Right. <laughs> and then, so we, we finished up. School of Visual Arts. Yeah. Uh, we photographed together quite a bit yep. after that. Yeah, we spent, we, we were done. It's like we said, now we're photographers. Mm-hmm. So what do photographers do? They, they yeah. photograph. So we found a way to make a living. Right. Uh, you were working at Fundamental? Fundamental. I worked at a science, little science stock photo agency in the Lower East Side. Fundamental photographs. Still there. Still doing it. Still doing it, yeah. I'm, you know, Kip and Rich, uh, Kip Petticolos, Richard Magnus, two really wonderful, generous, generous people. Yeah. Uh, you know, always treated me very well. Um I worked. I started working there when I was an undergrad, and I only stopped working there in 2005. Mm. So that was a good 18 years. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing, right? No, that's like a lifetime of work. Well, this yeah. is it's it's funny because while you were doing that, I was working at at a doctor's office, and it's it's you know it's curious because for a while you were living at Fundamental, weren't you? I lived in their dark room. In their dark room. It was kind of like a guest room laundry room in the yeah. back of the dark room yeah. i lived there for i think a year yeah yeah and and i lived i ended up like uh living for about a year also in uh the storage <laughs> room right. of the place where <laughs> i was working at the doctor's office which i i would pop in and out because depending uh, it was it was part-time work so i would mm-hmm. work there for a little while make enough money to pay the rent and keep going and then you know, things happen in life and all that. But I eventually lived there for about a year, uh, rented the space upstairs in the in the in the storage area. Right. That's you know, right. And uh, yeah. built a dark room you, there and all that. So you had all the X rays, I think. Yeah, I had you? the X rays and the old files, <laughs> and right. and in the back room I had a dark room. You know, which was kind of <laughs> wild. But that's the curious thing. I just noticed that that you know. Yeah. Very similar thing. Yeah. As yep. well trajectory. But yeah, we were photographers, and we did that. You know, we were. Doing projects and and making pictures and trying to get into uh, a then very dramatically changing uh, photography world because this is the during that time is when you have the boom of um, you know the Yale program mm-hmm. coming online as a very strong program in terms. I mean, Tom was already teaching this, at Yale at well, that time. Yeah, this predated the Columbia program. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and but Yale was you when if you wanted to be a true art photographer, you had to get an MFA, mm-hmm. and you had to go to Yale. That was the only place that you would go that you would imagine going, and you would study with Todd, Todd Papa George. And um, uh, there was there were no other options. And, right. But we never we sort of didn't. We weren't thinking about that. At we all. weren't thinking about that. No. We were making a living and we were photographing and we had a life and that sort of was enough uh, mm. until we decided that we wanted to get into teaching. And then all of a sudden, all our experience didn't matter because <laughs> we didn't have the piece of paper that said you know you have an MFA degree. Mm-hmm. And um, 
but we didn't want to go to Yale because Yale was really um, emphasizing the uh, the staged photograph aesthetic, the uh, kind of cinematic look of uh, Gregory Crutzen and P.L. de Corsia, even though the main critique uh, person there was still Todd. Right. It seemed like there was Todd this, Papa George, yeah, right. it, there's, there was this this influence of of that other kind of cinematic large format color, yeah. large printing, which to us was foreign. It's like it didn't really e- gel. Even more than that, to be to be completely honest, I wasn't entertaining an MFA degree at all. Um, I'm not sure at that point if I even knew I wanted to teach. I'm trying to remember. I, I was still working at, at Fundamental, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I... I, yeah, I think I was still experimenting with my own kind of businesses and things like that, yeah. trying to figure out what to do. I was printing wedding invitation cards. I was I doing all the, kinds the of al- things. The yeah. wedding albums. The wedding albums. I, yeah. Right, I enlisted with some wedding album services and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, it, it wasn't until uh, Tom Roma started the Columbia program that I really gave any serious thought to an MFA degree. Yeah, I think I think there was a, there was a, a coming together of things. Um at the time, for me, I, I I decided that I did want to go into teaching because um, I just thought, yeah, this is this. In my head, uh, the uh, the idea was teaching will allow me enough free time to earn a living and make pictures because it was always about making pictures. I wanted to have enough time to make pictures for myself. That was crucial. If I, it didn't. None of everything else that I had done prior to that would not have made any sense if I all of a sudden was like doing a full time job you know, on Wall Street or something like that. It didn't make any sense to me. So I, I needed to find a way to make a living um, and still make photographs. And teaching was the thing that everybody was talking about. When I would apply for jobs, the first question was, well, where did you get your master's? And I didn't have a master's. Mm. And I was like, well, you know, that was it. That was sort of like the, the, the vetting process was about the master's. Yeah, I don't think I even knew you had started looking for a I, teaching job. I had started looking yeah. for work. Yeah, I started looking because I was like I'm, you know, I can't keep doing this doctor thing forever and it's and I want to be more involved and I thought I could be a good teacher and let me see what I can do. Um at, during that time and I but I I I didn't want to go to Yale. I just didn't want to do that and I didn't and I didn't want to leave New York. So I thought, okay, well, how else can I do this? And at that moment is when Tom started putting together the Columbia program. And some of our friends, you know, mm-hmm. like Preston Resigno and uh, Laura Sellers, um, Mercy Sellers, um, they applied. You know, right. they were the first people to apply to the program. They were the first two. They were the in first the photo two. Program, right. And it was, you know, Columbia had always been like a dream of mine because even when I was in high school, uh, I went to on a you know campus tour of Columbia. And <laughs> I thought it was incredible, but it was always so far out of oh, reach. Yeah. You know, it was like another world. Uh, but all of a sudden, there was this connection to Columbia available, and I thought, well, I know what I'm getting into if I go in that program because it was explained to me by Tom that the program was about making teachers. It was about mm-hmm. pursuing your work, but being able to then immediately go into teaching. That was very attractive to me. Yale didn't have that. Pratt didn't have that. And at the time, I think SVA MFA was up and running as well, right? Uh, yes, yeah. but they were not and also. They were not doing that. They were right. not teaching. They were about in, in, in the MFA program at SVA was always MFA it was photography and related media. So they were heavily into That's video, right. which I was not interested in. Mm-hmm. And they had a very. Uh, their faculty was also uh, part of their faculty was also quite conceptually based. Again, that didn't make sense to me. Although Ragabir Singh was started teaching there. That's right. Uh, and Tom had been teaching. I think Joe Lawton had been teaching. Joe there for had a been while. around the program for a long time. And, yeah. and, and um, 
I have to say, I, a lot of decisions in my life have been made sort of on the spot. I mean, I just thought, mm-hmm. hey, I'll, I'll do right, that. Let's it's do like, that. <laughs> I didn't, you know, I didn't think about, you know, I had just no. finished paying off my student exactly. loans. Exactly. It I took know. 10 years to pay those student <laughs> yes. loans off. I had not. I was still when, paying that's them. Right, that's yeah. right. That's right. That's <laughs> right. So I was like, you know, I walked in there and they said, yeah, well, you know, if you get in, you'll get this money. And then, so I went through the whole process. By the way, we should mention that we're talking about a 10-year span between undergrad and grad at yes, this point. Yes, we right. were not in any hurry. It's like, right. it, it just, I, I think yeah. SVA was such a powerful experience in our lives that it was like, we were photographers. Right. We didn't need anything else. We yeah. did it. We did what needed to be done. Yeah, we were, we were really, I think, living at that time the... Uh, that maybe doesn't exist as much anymore. A more traditional kind of art school, you know, art um, art life. You know, you're, you're you're working. It has nothing to do with what you're making. You're yeah. you're you're just trying to find time and money and resources to buy equipment and photograph. Everyone and who your film. we spoke with right. emphasized that life. They said right. photography is about figuring out a way to make a living mm-hmm. so that you can be a photographer. That was it. Was it wasn't like you were going to make. Your life was not going to be, it's like if you did photography, it was enough so that you could pay the bills. I remember, uh, you know, we would always bring up the example of Yosef, uh, uh, Yosef Sudek, who would say things like, um, uh, if you if you do commercial work for longer than six months, you're, right. you're sacrificing <laughs> your soul or something right. like that. Right, Ragabir lived a life like that too, Ragabir Singh, right? He would, he would do commercial photography and then he would come here to the States yeah. and, 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 and do a bunch of work. And, and right. or he would, or he would get teach for a while. Printed, he would teach. Right, yeah, and then right, he right. would take off. So these are the people who were around us and we would hear this and we would go, oh, that's the life you want right. to have. You know, that was what you did. The the, the, the MFA sort of teaching route, you know, that, that was beginning at that time and really, not so much beginning, but really solidifying itself into the, the idea of, of the course of the photographer's life. Where you know, if you if you wanted to be a photographer, you needed to get an MFA, and I think it's it, it has its pluses. Again, it creates this this uh, this a possibility for a critical discussion of photography, which is great. But it was for us, it was like uh, it was out there someplace, you know. Until for me, certainly, until I started looking to teach, and then all of a sudden, you couldn't. Right. Experience didn't count at my level. But do, do you remember at that time? Having those shows at the Crane Gallery, the oh, performance sure. art shows. I mean, the Lower East Side, again, uh, a very different place back well, then. Well, it sounded very dated, but it wasn't <laughs> yes. that long ago. No, it no, really it really wasn't. wasn't but it was, yeah, it was like 10, different. 15 years ago. Yeah. You know, the Lower East Side was filled with these funky spaces where people would just put up shows. And, and there were a lot of the performance crane, art. Right. You know, the, what was the other one? I can't remember, on Ludlow Street. Right. And the, the show in, in Brooklyn, uh, uh, in... Um, I remember it was like this this social club almost. I, I can't even remember where that was. I remember, yeah, it was crazy, but it's, you know, on Grand Street, I think, you know, it was yeah. in the middle of nowhere. And yeah. I remember sitting like one of the, part of the, the trade-off was, you know, if you showed work there, you had to sit at the gallery for one day. That's right. At That's the desk right. and you would sit there and, you know, <laughs> maybe someone would show up, but mm-hmm. they would have to find you, you know, right. how did they find you, you know? Who went to Brooklyn in those days? And again, this is not a long time ago. This is like, you know, 1990s. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about the mid-90s. 90s, yeah. yeah. Um, so these 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 things happen, you know, at the by, by coincidence, you know, the serendipity. There was like the program, all of a sudden the, the Columbia program went online. And that was very attractive. New York, Columbia, yes, teaching possibilities, absolutely Two-year program. Two-year program. Right. They had a color processor. Mm-hmm. They had a, a, a black and white darkroom. What more do you need? Um, and we applied and we got in. 
Mm-hmm. Same year, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so we, yeah we were exact same year. I, now, yeah. was it, were we the third group or the second? We were the third Catherine group. Catherine McVitie was the second group, I think, wasn't she? The yeah. The photographer, Catherine McVitie. Uh, I think we we're the fourth group. We're the fourth group, yeah. Right, right. The fourth group to go to the program. Mm-hmm. And it was just two photographers. No, there was four photographers at that point, wasn't there? Well, um, there Maybe were three. We had it was it was you and I, Lisa Ross, Lisa Ross, and uh, Noah Sheldon. Was Noah. He? Noah was was, he? right. I think he was our year. I don't remember. I don't remember. He may have graduated. He may it was a small been. program. Right. It was four years. It was four people mm-hmm. tops, you know, at that point. And we did everything. We took care of the dark rooms. We cleaned the processor. We we were TAs right away. Yes. And in the summers we taught, mm-hmm. which was fantastic. Yeah, the teaching was was the best. In fact, um, the recommendation I got from the summer coordinator at Columbia Mm -hmm. is what put it over the top for me to get my job at Mercer Community College. Yeah, see? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. is like we were doing exactly what we thought we wanted to do, which was to teach. And that was, it was unique, and I think it's still unique to that program. There's nothing like saying, where where have you taught? I taught at at Columbia University for a summer program. That sounds really great. Mm -hmm. And it's like people are like, oh, okay, you're serious then. Um, for me, it was the thing that got me my other jobs as well. It's like having that experience. I taught at Trinity College while I was doing my master's degree. I That's was commuting right. to uh, to Hartford, <laughs> right. Connecticut, three hours up, three hours down to teach a three-hour darkroom class. You know, but it was how else would I have gotten that? There was no other way. So, so it was it was an, again one of those life-changing experiences. And, and for me, it was it was um, interesting because that was. That was actually the first time I had Tom Roma as a professor. That's right, because yeah. you sort of were yeah. you, you were part of the group. Around. Right, yeah, right. you were part of the group, but at the same time, it's like of people who mm-hmm. were involved with him in some way, but right. you had never taken a class with him. And friends, you know, for all that time in between. Yes. For the ten years. In oh between. yeah, no, that yeah, was. I'm yeah. talking about like at SVA, yep. we were part of that, and then yep. we all sort of stayed friends, which yeah. was kind of amazing. Yeah. And that's the other wonderful thing about that experience that there was a community of people, mm-hmm. of like-minded, perhaps but certainly trying different things you know when i look back at all the different stuff that people were doing in terms of photography no one was trying to copy anyone everybody was doing their own thing and there was room enough for all of us to explore whatever it was we were interested in yeah and there was a there was a support mechanism right people went to each other's shows we you know we were there for each other and we you know we provided space for each other and to be able to talk about our work and i thought that was like a wonderful community building thing that continues to this day i mean it's the reason why we're here yeah so having this conversation and all these people are still part of our lives you know and, and and that was I think it was a pretty special. I mean, maybe everyone has this experience. I don't know. I, I, I know I, I've seen it with some of my students who've gone on to four year, you know, uh, Program. uh, yeah, four year programs, four year photography programs. Um, they, they do. They build their community. Yeah. They yeah. Do so well. that's a great yeah. thing. That's a great thing. Well, that concludes our pilot episode of The Photo Show. I hope you enjoyed it. Please visit thephotoshow.org where there are links to Twitter and Facebook. Uh, we are at Real Photo Show for Twitter and fb.com forward slash Real Photo Show for Facebook. Bye.